Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, as today we're going to be answering the question, how, how can, can we improve the adoption and foster care system? There's a lot of differing opinions when it comes to the system, and it's a very tough situation overall for the families, for the kids being adopted, everything. So in today's episode, we're going to be answering this question with someone who has adopted herself as she tells her story and talks about her general opinions on the adoption system and foster care system in America currently. So stay tuned for the episode and look forward to stuff like this. And you know, a lot of times you gotta look, you gotta think bigger than you. This is not about you. When you take right. on a responsibility to adopt a child, it comes with all of that. Not just to satisfy your not having able to have a child or you trying to help to have a kid. It got nothing to do with you. It got something to do, it got all to do with the child you adopt. And you gotta sacrifice your feelings and, and do what's right for that child. With that said, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast, and today we got an excellent topic to discuss. I got my guest here, uh, Regina, and she's going to introduce herself, tell her what she's about, and and uh, what she does, and all that good stuff. Go for it. All right. My name is Regina. I am royal. I'm educated on gorgeous, independent, nice, and amazing. That's who I am. I'm Regina. I'm an author. I am a podcast, talk show host, a professional organizer, an author, and a certified life coach. Excellent. Excellent. And what, what's the name of your podcast? Let's Talk 1943. Excellent. Uh, her information will be not only be on my website, but also in the description. Y'all know how these things work, so make sure you guys check all that stuff out. So with that said, this is going to be a very interesting discussion. And I always let every guest know that I'm going to ask them the question now, and then you're going to lay it up at the end of the episode. And think of a time you had a conversation with someone, discussion, debate with someone that you vehemently disagreed with in every point. Think of that situation, and at the end, we're going to revisit it, how you handled it, if you could uh, change how you handled it, and mm -hmm. uh, think of that through a different lens the second time. So mm -hmm. today, as you guys know, we're going to be talking about adoption um, and the life of adoption and uh, the story of uh, Regina here as she's been through the adoption journey. So before we dive into that, one of the trending topics that I saw in regards to the adoption situation is, I don't know if you heard, but this is something I found out relatively recently on my research. So apparently someone named Ayo Kells, that's her name, Ayo Kells, mm -hmm. she uh, started her the first black-owned female, all-female staffed adoption agency Ooh. focusing on, you know, helping buy, BIPOC uh, kids of color. And she, her journey really started off with, you know, she didn't know she was adopted. She found out when she was a teenager, she went to look for a uh, real mother and her father. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. eventually that led to her current career with the adoption agency and any other entrepreneurial stuff she's doing right now. So mm -hmm. uh, have you heard of that situation? No, you saw me go, mm? <laughs> no, that's amazing. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because uh, it's funny. It seems like everybody who goes to a, some kind of adoption kind of history like that, it's like you find your passions in there because you go through stuff. You don't want other people to go through that. So you kind of form something that will help people not go through what you just went through. So that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, she talked about how she wanted to have a staff that really represents the kids she's helping, which I've, I'm fully in support of. Um, because at the end of the day, when it comes down to these different situations, mm -hmm. understanding is a big thing in these tense moments. And you may want to be one of those people who say, oh, yeah, why is it all this, this and that? That's fine. I don't really care. But one thing you got to recognize is that perspective is everything. And mm -hmm. the perspective they will have will be very unique and very important. So uh, definitely in support of that. Good, uh, good job for her, of course. So mm -hmm. as we talk about uh, potentially answering the question of improving the adoption system, I want mm -hmm. you to share your story first. So. Okay. Can you tell us your story about uh, your adoption uh, journey? Yes, um, I'm going to age myself right now. So I was adopted in 1970. Um, that, at that time, it was a little different. My parents were um, pioneers in the adoption 
um, in our family, I'm the first adopted. We have several now, but I was the first one. And they, the first one for them to use the agency and a lawyer, like actually doing a full adoption, not like internal family adoptions. So um, I was, that was new. I was with my mother, my birth mother for three days in the hospital. And then I was sent to the agency and I was there for a couple of days for them to do my paperwork. So I was adopted straight three days old. Um, so it was already planned out. You know, they said it was a girl, you know, you're interested to come down to see her. They came to see me. They told me that my birth mother named me Regina already. And my adopted mother said, you know what? I'm going to let her keep that name because I want her to have some kind of ties with her mother. And she said she looked like a Regina and Regina means queen. So she was like, I'll just give her her middle name. So from the beginning, the unconditional love was going all the way around the board, you know, because I have the birth mother who said, I'm not going to go to the abortion clinic. I'm going to go ahead and carry you for nine months, make sure you're nurtured, make sure you're well. And I'm going to give you to someone else who's able to give you the life that you deserve. I'm going to name you queen. You're going to go live that life somewhere else because I'm not able to provide for you because I had other uh, a brother and a sister that she already had. And I was the third one. And she was already on, on assistance and she was having difficulty. She was only 28 years old with three kids. So I never took it personally because I thought of me at 20. I knew I was at 20. And to make decisions like that at 20 is not easy. Not easy at all. But you have to live. And you have other kids you have to provide for. And I understood. I understood. But that was part of my assignment. She was a part of integral part of my assignment. It was supposed to go down like that. I was supposed to go somewhere else and return later at 50 years to find them later on. It was all part of the divine order. So I, I accepted that. I got it. I respect that. I respect that. Uh, what type of adoption was it? Because when I did like my research on like the different mm -hmm. types of adoptions, there's uh, foster care, foster mm -hmm. to adopt, independent adoption, infant adoption. So which one was uh, yours? Well, at the time, you only had like open or closed open or closed adoption. Um, yeah, you do have foster care. I didn't do that because I got straight from, I was straight adopted. So I had okay. a closed adoption. So a closed adoption is when the papers are sealed and the um, birth parents and family is not able to contact you until you're 18. It's your decision to go find them. So that's how our, my parents, the adoption was with me. So at 18, they told me, if you want to go find them, I understand, you know, because there's something about being adopted. And, I, and when you told me the story about that young lady, I'll definitely go look it up after we finish this. Um, it's, it's always a void. There's always something there that's missing, you know. And it has nothing to do with your adopted parents and the family. They That's the problem. People think that got something to do with each other. They're two different entities. Me loving, being loved and being raised and being all that on this side is great. But you don't know the feeling of something when you're attached DNA wise is something you don't know nothing about. You know, it's missing. You know, it. it's a void that I can't describe, but it's there. And everybody always think like, well, I wonder if and how, um, what if, or, you know, you don't want all those questions you want to answer because you go around life, not knowing stuff like who I look like, who I act like, who my mannerisms are. Um, a lot of us take it for granted because if you're born through your own parents, you know it. It's automatically there. You look like your dad or your mom or your cousin. I didn't have that. So that always was something I wanted to know because I'm 5'10". I'm the tallest thing in my family, like even the guys. I'm like the tallest thing here. And then when I found my birth family, my dad is 6'4", my, my brother is 6'5", my sister is 5'9". I got my height. I figured it out. So it, it, those little things make a difference when you don't have it. You know, we take things for granted. Did you feel that void before you found out you were adopted? Or did you uh, really, did that start hitting you after you were like, oh, this is not like my biological parents? Well, I, I went, you know what? Only reason why I would say no, because I was so young when they told me. I was seven years old. So I didn't get that okay. chance to. But there's probably people, and there's a lot of adoptive parents that are scared to tell their kids they're adopted. Because they the fear of the insecurities of you leaving and go find that birth family and leave them, right? So right. that's their insecurities as human beings. They are human beings before their parents. So they have insecurities and they have issues with that. So they don't realize how much damage they're doing. 
because it's two different things. Nobody's leaving y'all. We don't want to leave y'all. Y'all did us right. You raised us. You took us in as your own. You treat us as your own. But we do have the birthright <laughs> to find out where we came from. It's our God-given right to know who gave birth to us. And it shouldn't be held back from us. And that happens a lot with the adopted parents. And it's just the fear of them thinking you're going to leave them, you know? I personally, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't know based on, like, experience or anything. But I personally think in terms of, like, this you this is your child for the the loving step parents and anyway this is your child obviously this is this is like mine this is who i want to raise so i can understand why a parent would like never want to even approach the thought hey don't leave me um but i do understand where you're coming from too so with that said mm-hmm. is there a specific age do you think is appropriate to tell the kid or should you just wait until they're an adult which is like 18 years old no 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 and look, I think the age appropriate is your child. If you know your child and know when your child's able to comprehend and understand, you need to let them know right then. Because you want to make it normal. You want to normalize it as much as possible. You don't want to make it seem like something wrong. Because the longer you hold it, it seems like it's a secret. If it's a secret, there's something wrong with it. It's something wrong if it's something wrong with me. So now I'm thinking that, okay, I must got something wrong with me because, you know, she didn't want me or he didn't want me. And you're scared to tell me. It, it plays with your, with your mental. It does. It does play with your mental. I think as soon as you are able to comprehend, it will make it seem like it's just normalized and they'll talk about it. And then some, these days are totally different. These parents today are doing open adoptions. So right. yeah, birth parents are actually still in their lives. They still able to see them, they get pictures, you know, it's not a big deal. But when it's a closed adoption and you don't know, and then you get shocked with the odd at 18, 21, 30 years old, I have a friend who found out just two years ago and she was 40. And the only reason why she found out is because her parents died and they was needed some paperwork. So the sister was looking for that paperwork and up finding her adopted paperwork and called and said, listen, um, I got something to tell you. You're adopted. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that at that point, you lived your whole life and then you you could make the uh, assessment to yourself that, hey, my whole life is a lie. It te- like, it wasn't a lie, but based on that, like, an initial emotional response, I could see how someone would think that, for example. Right. Um, so that's a very crazy. Yeah, I definitely think waiting till 40, especially waiting till I die, is like, okay, that you're going to put her, put the person in a very weird situation. And so it comprehension. It very, very weird. And it actually, it was weird the way it happened because she called me and she called me. She's like, you won't believe this. <laughs> and when she told me, I was like, what? <laughs> and I, she's like, I need you. I need you to help me walk through this because I, I don't know what to do. I, my feelings are all over the place. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm sad. I don't know what to feel because your whole life is rushed in front of your eyes, literally, because the person you thought you are, you, your, your name totally different. You know, you got different parents. It, it's that's because they, they were scared to tell her. They were right. scared to tell her. They wanted to just leave things alone. And, you know, a lot of times you got to look, you got to think bigger than you. This is not about you. When you take right. on a responsibility to adopt a child, it comes with all of that. Not just to satisfy your not having able to have a child or you trying to help have a kid. It got nothing to do with you. It got something to do. It got all to do with the child you adopt. And you got to sacrifice your feelings and, and do what's right for that child. Because if you put it about you, Look what happens. Look what happens. You you leave a mess. You know, and, right. and, and this happens a lot, and especially like you just said the story about the young lady who found out so late. That's why she's so passionate in helping these kids because she don't want them to go through what she went through. So I know she was like shocked. Like, what in the yeah. world? <laughs> yeah, to put a little bit more context, based on what the article said, is mm-hmm. that apparently she found out at, in, in her teenage years and how she mm-hmm. found out is someone was like you're adopted she brought that up to her parents at like a kid said it to her in a joking manner she told her parents and then at that point their parents were like okay let's tell her so it was like <laughs> it was a very like sh- like s- weird situation to find out because initially you thought it was just a joke for example right so mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's what very- comes with that? you know what comes with that the risk that's the risk you take when you don't tell. Because, see, a lot of times your your um, adults in your family tell their kids. 
you know, your cousins yeah. could know or overheard a conversation and they don't think it's a big deal. And they say it to you like you, they thought you knew, or they were just talking to you about it. it they, they being, uh, you know, simple. It's not like malice, but look what happens. This little kid told her, oh, you're adopted. Oh, I'm adopted parents. Oh, oh, I guess I need to tell you now. So you wasn't going to tell me. Only reason why you told me because somebody told me. Yeah. And like, it's obviously it's much more difficult when you obviously do not look alike. Like if it's, you know, a white family and a black kid. And obviously if this kid hangs out with other kids, like, yo, you don't look like your parents. Like it's going to start clicking. So it's definitely one of those situations where finding the right time. I I think you, you're onto something. It, It probably should be younger. Because at that point, they're going to like, they can live the rest of their lives knowing this information and adjusting mm-hmm. to it and, mm-hmm. you know, being comfortable in the situation itself. Mm-hmm. So my next question for you, because it seems like, you know, when it comes to identities and your journey, mm-hmm. like big experiences really play into where you end up in life. And obviously adoption is very much intertwined with yours. So right. at what point did it click that this is something that, I want people to know this is the story I want to tell and help people with. Well, I suppressed it. I didn't tell anyone because, well, of course my family knew, but I'm talking about outside of my family. I didn't tell them because I remember when I was younger, kids used to make jokes about it. They would right. say, oh, so-and-so was adopted. They, they, the parents don't love them. They left them in the garbage you know, or they left them at the fire station or, you know, kids would just do being kids, right? But exactly. I was like, well, what, what's not going to happen is you're not going to get me and, you know, tear me up and then have my parents, you know, we're not going to be the bunk of your jokes. So I'm not telling you, I'm not saying that because I know what happens when I say something. But see, I ended up damaging myself because when I did that, when you suppress just like a soda, you shake it, it got to come out. You, 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 you can't, nothing suppresses in you. Everything comes out, but it comes out differently as you put it in. So I ended up having validation issues. I was a people pleaser. I had low self-esteem. I had issues because of this. Because when you hide who you are, you don't love yourself. There's no way. How can you love yourself when you don't let people know who you are? Because you're ashamed. Right. So when you're ashamed of yourself, you don't love yourself, you act accordingly. You act like you don't love yourself. And you do those things because you're trying to build this thing up. And I needed someone else to tell me how great I was because I couldn't tell myself. So when you want validation for someone, you keep, you know, hey, how good am I? Tell me how great I am. Because you need to hear it because you can't tell yourself because you don't feel it. That's a that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. So I can see, you know, when it comes down to it, it not only do you have to, it takes acceptance, but it definitely takes growth as well. So mm-hmm. at what point did you feel that when you grew enough as an individual to let this story be who you are moving forward? It actually took me to have a mental breakdown in 2019 to actually find a core of the issue. I was putting band-aids on the symptoms I just told you. I was putting band-aids on those, but I wasn't hitting the core. And I really didn't think that the stem of the core was that because I never really talked about it. So at the time, I didn't get the suppression part. I didn't get that. I was like, oh, well, it's just, you know, I just don't value myself or I just, you know, I didn't think of it as the reason why you're doing these things is because you don't really value yourself because you don't love yourself enough to tell people who you are and stand in your truth. That's the problem. So when I figured out my work, I, I went to a counselor and, and did my work. And when I figured it out, then I was like, you know what? I have to do this. So on my 50th birthday, I had a Zoom party because it was COVID 2020. And I had invited, I found my family a couple months earlier. I invited them on the screen. My friends and family looking at these people like, okay, they look like her, but who are these people up here? You know? And then I did it in a certain way. I introduced them and the whole place went crazy. They screaming and hollering, dropping the... They run in, they cry because <laughs> they're like, why? And then, you know, the first thing they say to me is why you didn't tell me? I was like, because it wasn't about you. It's about me. It wasn't about you. I had to do this for me because I wasn't ready to tell myself. How can I tell you? Mm, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it really tells you another aspect, you know, beyond that and the importance of mental health. And again, people, I'm going to re- uh, reiterate this many, many times, because in America, one of the biggest things 
that our current society is function of uh, suffering from is mental health issues and not mm-hmm. being able to cope with these different issues and these different traumas, mm-hmm. of course. And Regina eventually, you know, hit that point where she w- wanted to face it head on. So obviously you did face it head on. You made it it's something that's part of your identity. You made a story out of it. What do you think your story and what do you think the purpose behind what you're doing? What impact you want it to have? Well, I wrote a book. Um, it's called Adoption, the Unknown Blessing, because everybody, my cousin, who my newfound cousin, she helped me find my family because I was on accessory and she kind of helped me figure this thing out. And she was like, wait a minute, you found both your parents in one day. Like, this is incredible. You had to write about this. This whole thing is incredible. How you revealed it and how you dealt with it. And you had to go to camp. You had to break that. She's like, you got to write about this. And I was like, I'm not no author. I never, you know, I'm not a writer like that. But when it, it was put on me and God was like, it's not about you. It's about others. You're supposed to tell the story for somebody else, not for yourself. You pour your heart out and you put it out there to the world and let somebody else learn from it and get what they need to get from it, right? So it wasn't about me no more. So I did, when I when he said that, I started writing and it ended up helping out so many people. And I got so many responses from people who were adopted or didn't know, like, their father's not their father is not their biological father. People were calling me and telling me that. I knew these people for 30, 40 years. And it was like, you know what? Because I did it, they was able to say, you know what? I always wanted to take that test because I knew that my dad who raised me wasn't my biological dad. But now I got the, you know, the strength to do it because of your story. So it it was worth it. It was totally worth it writing that book. Totally worth it. Okay. What are some uh, key things that you want uh, kids or even adults to know that are going through this uh, adoption situation? Some, obviously, you could argue that, hey, they went through it fine and they grew up fine. But for the people, obviously, the people who we're talking about, the people who did not know how to cope with it, what are a few things you have to say to those people? I would say to do your work first. Work on you first. Because you got to be in a place that you gotta be ready to accept anything, right? So if you're about to embark on finding your family, there's no promises, no guarantees. You don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know if they're gonna accept you, they not. You don't know what's gonna come with this mixed bag. You don't know the type of people you're gonna meet, you know? So you have to be ready to understand and be able to say, okay, I'm at, I'm at peace regardless of whatever happens. You know, that long as I found what I need to find, if it didn't work out to be a great relationship, I'm okay with that. Like, you got to be okay with that kind of stuff. Because a lot of times, you know, people say, well, what, how was it when you went out there and did it? Were you scared? I was like, no. I wasn't scared because I already knew what I was getting myself into. And I knew if they didn't accept me, it's okay. Because what can you do? You can't make people do stuff. I mean, so I would tell a person, if you're about to do this, embark on this, figure yourself out, do your work, work on you. Pray, ask God to give you guidance, read up on stuff, like kind of go in there equipped so you're not shocked and awe, you know, and, and, and understand it was a part of your journey. It was nothing wrong. This is a great thing that happened to you. Being adopted is a beautiful thing. It's nothing wrong with it. I had to learn that. I was loved by four people. Two brought me in here, two raised me. I had four people that made my life. And that's rare. That don't happen all the time. And God saw fit for me to take this journey. And I now understand the purpose of it because now where I'm at right now is because of that. He already knew all this was going to happen. And now, you know, I'm out speaking about this. I'm talking just like the young lady you just talked about. He does that because he wants to use you and he's using me now for the purpose of this. So I would tell the people, just do your do your work before you get out there and, and to discover your new, new family. Mm. I think that's great advice. Um, and it really plays into the idea that there should be an expectation and there should be a reality that this expectation does not happen the way you think it may. It's not everything's a Cinderella story. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to have some hard truths that, A, it may not go as planned but one thing to always consider in these situations is that closure is still very impactful and very healing so 
always take that in mind. So with that said, you obviously are very much in tune. You've been through the adoption system and, you know, you've been, you know, you've talked about it plenty. What is your general opinion about this current U.S. adoption system? I feel that the adoption system should work a little bit on the other side of the spectrum, meaning with the adopted parents and equipping them to understand what they're embarking on not just taking a child home but dealing with how you're going to handle it when it's time for them to know where they're from or you know i think they need to give them a sign something or something to say that you're going to let your child know that they're adopted i think that should be part of the adoption process Mm -hmm. i don't think it should be something that they keep a secret i think they need something to make them accountable to tell their child that they are adopted because it really tears people up it tears up people's lives, you know, and a lot of times in most cases, adopted parents are not adopted children. Okay. They're not going to know how it feels. They don't know that they came from parents birthed out the canal. They know where they came from. They know who they look like. They know their mannerisms, but they do great things because they actually love you. They love you. Adopted parents are beautiful people because they don't, you know, a lot of times adoption is funny because they, a lot of people want to birth their kids. They want kids to come out their womb and adoption sometimes is not an option. But when people see you and go, listen, you're my child, you're my child. There's no, you're adopted. You No, you're my child. I adopted a child. I adopted my oldest daughter. My daughter is my daughter. I don't go around telling people she adopted. She's my daughter. So I have been on both ends. I've been adopted and I have adopted. So I know both ends of the spectrum and I know parents need to be more honest with these kids. I heard so many horror stories about these parents not telling these kids they adopted and they find out in the worst ways and it ruins their relationships with their adopted parents. I won't say ruin, it damages their relationship because it's a trust thing going on now. Now I'm like, how can I trust you? You sat there and didn't tell me this, all this. So you don't want that. So I think that part of the system needs to be rehabbed right there. How mm. they handle that. All right, that's very interesting. Um, obviously, I don't, I'm not that that well versed, so I can't really say the. I definitely, I think we both agree. You, if you wait, like until they're in their 20s or 30s, that's way way too long. That's way yes. too long, obviously. Um, but from what I've seen, from you know what I gathered, well, some of the main reasons why adoption is a thing is because the parents are either neglectful, they abandon them, or some type of abuse is part of it. So, what do you say to those parents that choose not to tell their kid because they don't want them to deal with those traumatic individuals who put them in the system in the first place? And that's a good thing because that 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 was on my other side. On me adopted. We we discussed it with her, me and my uh, my husband discussed it with her. And we was like, listen, we want you to meet, but you need some age on you because what you're about to see, you're not equipped. You're not raised that way. You're not uh, you're not gonna understand it. And I'm not gonna I never doubt, I never talked bad, I never said anything, you know. I was like I always told her she loved her. She totally loves you. You know, but it's just that the you know life that she's in right now is going to be hard for you to grasp. So we need you to be 18, so you'll be able to understand what's happening. You know, because like you said, you don't want to put your child in a in a situation and have them messed up. But yet, you can't keep them from them because they need to know the truth eventually. So our thing was 18. So at 18, she was allowed to go and and see her and and do all that with her and now she's almost 30 years old so now she understands what's happening and she will talk to me about it and you know she still got love for her and she loves her siblings and she loves her family and she goes visit them all the time and i'm glad she is i'm glad because i'm her i understand you want to be uh, you know with your siblings and be with people and you're looking at people and they look like you you love that i get it so I guess because with me, it'll be a little different because I'm an adopted child, so I got it. But you have to eventually let them know. At 18, they are grown. You can't tell them not to see their family anyway. It's very but let true. them get old enough. Let's get them old enough so they could get they could understand it, and they they won't you know it won't mess them up too much. Because <laughs> at yeah. 18, they gotta see the world anyway. It's part of the world. You gotta learn. You gotta learn about other people's lifestyles. You know, everybody's not living your lifestyle. 
it could be a life lesson for you you know yeah that's a very good point um and at the very least it sounds like you want to introduce the idea a you're adopted but you won't you don't want to go too in depth because you're not ready for that conversation yet you need yeah, I'm not gonna some tell experience you, i'm not gonna tell no child no details like i i knew things i wasn't gonna tell because you do never want to put it's not my job to put her in a bad light that's not my job right that's not my job my job is to tell you that she loves you and she's in you know she you know she she would love to do whatever but she just can't at this time i always kept it in a good light because that's not my job whatever needs to be revealed when she gets older she's gonna see it for herself i don't have to tell her that because i wouldn't want nobody to talk about my mother like that True. you know and my birth mother it was not on drugs she didn't have no she was just a 20 year old kid with two kids and she was struggling she didn't know how to feed them right. you know it was more on that level it wasn't nothing you know terrible that happened some people are just young i know a lot of people who've been adopted their mothers were young they was in college and got pregnant they were teenagers they have their parents told them that you know you got to get out they had nowhere to live they couldn't survive so they had no choice you know, they just got pregnant. And, you know, back in the days, you get pregnant. It wasn't like it is now. You get pregnant in 60 and 70. They ship you also and have a baby and you come back, the baby gone. These, I mean, don't do that no more, but they did it back then. It was very shameful for you to be pregnant as a teenager back then. Yeah, I could definitely say things have changed quite a bit uh, in this current generation. Yeah, it changed quite a bit. Um but with that said, there's a recent thing that happened that also plays into that. But before okay. I get into that, for the most part, I would say the general assumption without mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of people assume a lot of things and mm-hmm. you could maybe blame Hollywood or you just mass, you know, media just talking negatively about it. But there's mm-hmm. a general assumption, I would say, that people deem foster care and adoption is relatively a negative experience as very mm-hmm. harmful to kids and they're gonna be scarred for the rest of their life so what do you what do you say to those people who have these this assumption the force of care system is a whole nother ball of wax like oh it's a whole nother ball of wax you know a lot of kids who are forced kids eventually do get adopted but a lot of them don't right they're um the dave thomas foundation the, the gentleman that owns wendy's who was um the founder of wendy's he was adopted and he has a, okay. a foundation called Dave Dave Thomas Foundation. And the reason why he created this foundation is because every day, 50 kids age out of the foster care system. 50 kids a day. So when you turn 18, literally, the one of the best birthdays you're supposed to have in your life, literally, they go, okay, bye-bye. Literally, on your birthday, you have to go. And All they right. throw you out in the street, and you have to fend for yourself. You don't have no parents to help you with college or, you know, you, you can't even function at 18 years old. These kids can't function at 18 years old. And they never had no really guidance anyway. They were jumping from house to house to house to house. So imagine at 18 years old, your, you know, people come in your room and say, okay, come on, time to go. And you don't know where you're going. You know? So the foster care system is something totally, little, totally, totally different. And I hate it because I hate that the system, a lot of people take advantage of the system because they want that money. And they take kids in for more like an income than really forcing kids, but there's a lot right. of great, but there's a lot of great force of parents that have been forced in for 20 and 30 years and raised a bunch of kids that come back and they that's their mom and their dad. And they did right by the money and they did right by them kids. And they so there's a lot of good stories, but like you said, the media always talk about the bad side of it. And it is yeah. there. It's not like they're lying. They're not lying. It's there. But there's a lot of great ones too, is in the system. But I hate that, you know, anything in this world, people take advantage of. Anything. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Right, so you're going to have people in there going to take advantage of that. You know, the more kids you get, the more money you get. They they bank the money, give the kids barely nothing. They treat them horrible. A lot of them have been sexually assaulted in them situations. Yeah. It happens. It does happen. But adoption, from my perspective, is a little different only because you're paying to adopt. But they paying them to to force the care. So you get money to force the care, but you got to pay money to adopt thousands of dollars. And then don't go international. You're paying tens of thousands of dollars. To adopt. Right. 
So you're, you know, most cases you, you kind of have the right reasons to adopt because you're shelling out your own money. You know, you know, you shouldn't have to adopt someone, take advantage of them. I hope you don't have to, I hope you're not that sick to think <laughs> to do all that, to do bad by a child. I hope yeah. not. But in most cases, they, their attentions are good when they adopt in most cases. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree to the sentiment that when it comes down to the media, they, they tend to stick to the bad things regarding the foster care system. And unfortunately, it's really hard to be like 100%. Yeah, only good foster families, only good foster homes, like because there's going to be corrupt people out there, for example. But I do um, even recently and like this may be this may be controversial. So if you don't want to answer it by, by no, no means, you don't have ahead. to. But I do think that people, uh, based on like the last couple months, was using foster care as such a negative that they would go like, you know, it's better to abort my kid than let them go to the foster care system and using that as a crutch, for example. So do you believe in that sentiment that like some of these uh, some some women, some men say that, hey, I rather them abort before going to foster care? Oh, yeah, that's kind of. Um, but because of me and my situation, I don't believe in abortion, me personally, because I could been that abortion kid. Like my mother could have took that route. It's very simple. Right. Yeah. Why carry me for nine months when you could just go to the center and get rid of me and in less than a day or two, you back to normal. Like that changed my life. So when that, when I figured that out, I was like, eh, never. I don't care whatever happens. Oh, well, if I messed up, well, I got to deal with it because I'm not getting no abortion. That's just me. That's me because I've been adopted. So I, my whole view is different. But, um, but if you, if you have a child and I believe in, and, and like I said, this is my views. I believe that God doesn't make mistakes. And if you have a child, it's a purpose for that child to be here. And sometimes the purposes are not as we see it, the greatest. Okay. Our understanding is not his understanding, right? Understood. You know what I'm saying? He went to the cross. He went, he went, got all that stuff to, done to him, but it was for the better good. Right. A lot of times we are here for the better good, not for the good, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. So yeah. I see a little deeper than that with that thing. But if you look at it at the surface level, yeah, you're like, oh, why? have a child when I'm going to give them to the system and they're going to abuse this child and do all this stuff. But that's not guaranteed either. That's not guaranteed either. So you kind of have to kind of look at it as I'm going to abort a child and don't know what's going to happen. Or, I mean, I'm abort a child and do know what's going to happen. Or I'm going to take this child and give it to someone else and hopefully they'll be able to thrive and live a better life. You're not gonna know. To you're not gonna know. You can't. That's hard to answer. You're not gonna know. That, but you do know you're gonna abort the child, though. You do know that. Very that's, good that's, point. Let's, yep. Let's go. Let's go to Vegas. That's a hundred percent. A hundred percent agreed. But the other side, you have better odds on the other side because you don't know. But yet, it's a better chance. It's alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, for the most part, I'm a very like I'm the reason why I do this podcast is I'm very middle in like almost every conversational topic. So I, I always like to hear different perspectives about a lot of these different things that's going on. Um, but something that I'm curious about that I'm sure uh, you're familiar with is obviously we, we talked about it just briefly that there's a difference between, you know, foster care and just straight up adoption. And um, there's different adoptions. Like what is like the cutthroat difference between those two? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not an expert in foster care cause I was not in foster care. I mean, I just know about it a little bit. I know some people that was in the system. Um, only thing I personally could say is like the biggest difference is foster care is temporarily and adoption is permanent. Foster care is temporarily because that's what you do. You force to care. You're, you're caring for someone until they get a permanent home. That's what okay. care there's some foster care parents that keep the kids the whole time and they stay with them the whole time. You know, and, and do you and end up in foster care if you're not immediately adopted after birth? Right, right. Because if you're not, if if a, a parent is gonna give up the rights of their child, most cases they'll they'll get with an adoption agency. 
you know, because they usually give you information and they'll say, hey, you know, if you look into, you know, your adopt, they'll give them to adoption. You'll link to adoption agency. So in most cases, it will be a person ready to take the child in most cases. Okay. Um, there's so many different adoption agencies. There's so many ways of adoption. So, yeah, in most cases. But there's some people who go into the foster care system. Maybe they didn't do that route. Maybe they, they didn't, you know, they had they were pregnant as a teenager. They didn't tell nobody. And so uh-huh. they just ended up having a baby and there was nothing done, like no paperwork, no no attachment, no. So, yeah, they're probably going to have to go to foster care until they able to get into an adoption agency. So it's okay. so many scenarios that can happen with that. But it's just the pre-work. You have to do that before. While you're pregnant, you got to decide that's what you want to do, attach okay. to the agency, do the paperwork, the parents do their side, and then they waiting for the baby to be born. And, you know, so it's done right. But if you just pop in the hospital, have a baby, it's going to take some time. So they may have to, you know, temporarily put you there until they get oh, you Oh, okay. Okay. I think I understand a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. I do think another aspect to it is that, you know, there's really not proper information immediately. Like, you would, if you go search for it, you can find anything, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, a lot of these situations, a lot of these people, a lot of these young individuals especially do not know anything about what they're doing. So they mm-hmm. either have to be guided or they have to have the forethought to research it themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, teaching information, I would even say teaching in public schools because, hey, younger and younger, it's happening. It younger happening. and younger. It so, is happening. And they take you, like when you have a baby, the first thing is social services come in there. Like if there's a baby right. left there or you have a baby and you want to give, the first thing they do is call social, that's their protocol. They call social services and they jump in. That's foster care. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I think I definitely have a better understanding and a lot of different perspectives about uh, foster care and adoption. And for the most part, there's a lot of unnecessary negatives, although they do exist, that there's a lot of unappreciation that foster care and adoption does provide for for people, of course. So if you had to put it into final thoughts for um, how you think, I know you touched upon it a little bit, but in terms of like one consensus, like Mm -hmm. final solution, how do you think America should approach improving the current foster care slash adoption system for, you know, the kids and for parents, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. So I believe that the system is a beautiful system, first of all, for adoption, because you have people out there that's going to, that's asking for children who's not birthed through them. And they telling you they want to love them as they own and they want to take them as they own. There's so many children that need to be adopted. So many children in the foster care system and adoption that needs to be adopted. So I, I give my hats, honors, everything. I have two two that raised me. So they, you were not known I didn't come out of their womb. They treated me amazing. I had a beautiful life. So yes, you got some beautiful people out there. I just, like I said, I just want it to be a little bit more equipped to being more accountable for that other piece of telling them that they're adopted. That's the only thing I can really say that is a problem because that's the, the recurring problem I'm hearing. Every time I hear people tell me the story that they're not telling them, they didn't tell them, they didn't tell them. So that's something that needs to be, the loophole is that. That's the loophole right there. Because that, okay. that's damaging. Um, as in the adoption phases this, these days are a little different. They're a little more open. They're more accepted to have the their um, birth family involved in their lives. They, you know, they send pictures. They are more in, more inclusive now than they were before. So okay. I don't think that problem lies as much as it was before. But I think that we are like the 30s and 40s and 50s. Us older ones are starting to get this like what 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 we adopted like because you know back in the days they right. didn't talk. they didn't talk you know they kept things up a secret. But now we're more open. You know, social media, we talk about everything now. Yeah. So I think now it's not as bad as it was when I was adopted. Yeah. Honestly, you definitely spread light on the, the adoption process and foster care. Because even myself, I didn't really know anything in depth. But because of what the you know general assumption is, I always assumed, like, oh, it's probably a very negative experience for the most part. But you did talk about when they turned 18. And that's mm-hmm. a definitely tough situation for, like, foster care. Because then they're legally they're an adult, so you really can't take care of them anymore. Um, and you talked about the foundation from 
the guy that owns Wendy's. But is there anything else that you think could help the transitional period that if they don't get adopted, which, you know, you can't force people to adopt kids, for them to transition from that foster care system to eventually, you know, having to live life as an adult? Well, I guess more organizations like that one should be there. Um, I think life skills need to be taught to them very heavily. Um, life skills, I mean, from banking to uh, working, getting an apartment, debt, um, learn how to deal with student loans, debt, like all those things that you your parents usually teach you. They need to learn those life lessons, like the from four, maybe from preteen to that time. They need it anyway. We all need it. It's not like just right. them. We all need it, but it needs to be heavily done for them because if, if there's a chance that they're gonna age out of the system, they'll be equipped to go live. They'll be equipped to go to college and understand what's happened. They'll be equipped to know what to do and what not to do. They'll be, you know, probably more equipped than I was at that age if they right. really put that into them. They won't be as scared you know they already have a, a feeling that you know no imagine you I, imagine you sitting there and you feel like nobody wants you right. you know that's a bad feeling and on yeah, top of that very emotionally living. damaging too yeah yeah and then you have to go live you're gonna have to go to work or school or you go ahead and all by yourself all by yourself so at least let's you know lessen the load by equipping them enough that they could go out there 18 and understand the world enough to make it and not feel lost and on top of that feel like they not wanted. That's crazy. Yeah, very much agree. It's definitely a tough situation, but um, the best way, I mean, the more we prepare these kids, the better. I don't know. I don't know if you know, but do these uh, kids, when, while they're in foster care, do they go to school, get an education still? I mean, well, if you're in foster care, you're in a you know, family's home. But unless you were in a, um, you were in a, um, um, I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but the, the children, you know, you ever see on the news, they do little segments of kids who are looking to be adopted and they're in like foster care or whatever. But if you're in a foster care home, and like I said, I'm not an expert in foster care, but if you're in a foster care home, you're in a home. Even if you didn't get adopted, you're being taken care of. But if you were right. in a group home or something like that, yeah, that's something different because you're in a group home. You're not in someone's home. You're in a group home. So at 18, you have to age out because you're adult. You can't stay in a group home after 18. Yeah, I think the general perception is always thinking about those group homes because, like, for example, you have like some cartoon movie where the main villain was in a group home. He was treated bad. He ends up as a villain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's where people yeah. get these weird yeah, uh, general assumptions. But there's so many other aspects to it that you mentioned that people should consider moving forward and stop having this general negative opinion and you know knowing more about adoption can enlighten more people to either adopt or recommend other people to adopt um in future situations and adopt um, children they, you know you don't, they don't have to be babies you know there's a lot of children out there that need to be adopted that are you know school age or teenagers they need, the, they right. need more than ever they need parents you know, they need parents in that high school years. And, you know, I, I, I just hope that if people listening and they're on the borderline of, you know, look at older kids. I know a lot of times they think that they come with a lot of problems, but they come with a lot of love, too. They come with a lot of love. They just want to be loved. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, very much understand. Um, well, I think that touched upon a lot of the things that like the main segment, a lot of the uh, important conversational points uh, to touch base on my earlier question. Um, can Did you think of a situation where you like vehemently disagree with this person? And like, how did that debate discussion conversation go? And how did you resolve the circumstance? I'm probably going to answer this a little different than what you expect. Until I really did my work, I didn't deal confrontation too much. So I'm now talking and saying what I got to say more than I did before. Right. So now I'm learning how to say, I don't like that. I didn't like how that felt. I don't like what you did. Um, can we discuss it? Now I have the tools to make sure you don't get defensive because it's not about a defensive thing. I just want to let you know how I felt and how you made me feel. And I don't want to feel like that no more. So what, what can we do to fix that? So we won't have this issue anymore, you know, 
So I'm just learning how to do that, do that now. So I didn't have those problems before. I just didn't say anything. I used to just let everything just go. I, I never want a confrontation. I never want to rock the boat. Right. So, so now I've actually learned how to approach people in a way, a loving way to get the problem resolved. And that's a, that's a great thing. I think nowadays, you know, it's very much a loss to want to be compassionate to the other side. No matter how much you vehemently disagree with their, their notion, whether you're Democrat and that guy's conservative or whether you're, you're atheist and that guy's Christian, Mm -hmm. the, the, you shouldn't have automatically have this want to close them off completely. I don't want to have that conversation. So I do think your, your way to, be loving and compassionate and just wanting to have and understand you don't have to agree but at the very least want to listen is just a huge step that overall this american society anyway should take right so. no and, and you have to and the thing about it is we're so accustomed and we're so used to being debatable and being like on guard and ready you know ready to go in yeah instead of us going okay I don't really agree with that, but let me hear what you're saying because maybe there's something that I can get out of that. Like a lot of us don't want to hear it because we don't believe yeah. it. And it's like, I don't believe in it, but let me hear you because at least I can learn. Like what they say, sometimes you, I don't, what, what I think Chris Rock said this, I think I'm not mistaken. He said, I don't agree, but I understand. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree, but I understand. I understand why, because you had a, a, a journey, something happened that made you believe in that. Just like I have a journey and I believe in what I believe in. Nobody's right or wrong. I hope people understand that. It's not a right and wrong. It's yeah. just your belief and their belief. Nobody's belief is right. And nobody's belief is wrong. Because who's yeah. the one to tell you who's right and who's wrong? Who's the judge? Who's that? There's only one person. So nobody here can tell you what's right and what's wrong. You just believe in something and that other person believes in something exactly exactly and trying to wrap things up with this is i'm going to reiterate it so there's a content creator named destiny i got this from him and he indicated that for the most part most people not everybody because there's some psychopaths who are generally just evil but for most people even if you have some crazy notion or idea for most people they really think that they're in the right that they're trying to help people that they're trying to help the world most people no matter what side you're on are trying to do good or think that they're doing good so the only way the what you got to consider when you go into those conversations is that they aren't trying to be a bad person with a few exceptions it's just their viewpoint based on what they experienced and what they heard formulated how they got to this point and the only way you can change their mind or come to a like considerable solution or compromise Mm -hmm. is discussing conversing you're not going to get anywhere if you just block off don't care shut up that's you're not going to get anywhere with that so that's kind of the final thoughts in regards to that so appreciate you coming on regina i think this was an excellent conversation about uh your journey about adoption, the adoption system in general, of course. Um, Like I said, all her information will be in the description on my website, www.thetrendwithrtlfaith.com. And of course, if you guys listen to this episode, check her out and rate this podcast five stars for the excellent conversation. Uh, Any final thoughts? Um, I would like to say thank you so much for allowing me to be on your platform. And I'll leave with your audience, trust the process and understand that everything has a purpose and a reason. All right, excellent. So with that said, everybody, you all have a great day. Take care and peace.